From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Colin Donovan. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. You can also text the letters EWTN to 55000 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Very glad that you could join us for today's Open Line Friday here on EWTN and uh, glad to be with you. Tom Price filling in for Jack Williams along with our Friday host, America's favorite theologian, Mr. Colin Donovan. Well, here we are again. Here Don't we are see you indeed. Very often, but you're here today. That's I am great. glad to be here. Uh, Jack will be back with us next week. Let me give you those phone numbers because Friday programs tend to move a little uh, more quickly mm-hmm. than uh, those of the Monday through Thursday variety. Here we go: eight three three two eight eight EWTN. If you have a question for Colin Donovan, eight three three two eight eight three nine eight six. If you're listening to us uh, outside of North America, please dial the U.S. country code and then two zero five. Two seven one two nine eight five. You can also text the letters EWTN to five five zero zero zero. Wait for our response, and then text us your first name and your brief question. Message and data rates may apply. And of course, you can always send us an email. The address is openline at EWTN.com, openline at EWTN.com. In the subject line, either put Friday or Colin or Theology so that we can, um, you know, do a little matchmaking job here and put the right questions with the right host. So, Colin, Mm. here we are working our way through Lent. We're not in the home stretch, but this is kind of like the vigil of the home stretch, isn't it? Well, it is. We're down to the final weeks leading to Holy Week and then Easter, it's a triduum and then Easter itself. So uh, I, I think everybody's looking forward to, to that. And because uh, Easter ha- is sort of the primordial feast of the church, the first chur- uh, feast that the church uh, celebrated in any kind of liturgical fashion uh, on a regular basis. And uh, from there, the calendar expanded, including Lent, which we're now in, and Christmas and Advent and everything got added to it various times in history. But we're, we're getting there. And yeah. I think for the catechumens, it's especially important because uh, for those to be baptized, at least, uh, it will be a truly new beginning. What would you say to someone who uh, maybe had the greatest intentions of stepping up their prayer life? Mm-hmm. giving up such and such as a as a little penance. Uh, but maybe they weren't as successful as they thought they would be. What would you be your your state your statement to them? Well, you know, um, it's always certainly been the advice of 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 spiritual writers that just start over. The past is the past. Start over and make the best of the days ahead. You know, in a, in a way, I'm thinking of some of the organizations like uh, the AAA and others, you know, Alcoholics, and, or AA, Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous uh-huh. and that. You know, it's, you know, every day is, is you know, starting again. Because sure. for many with those kinds of addictions, they have to because they'll be the fall and they have to pick themselves up. But uh, we have a fallen human nature. So in a sense, we are all addicted to something. It may not be enough to ruin our lives, as some addictions do, but we're addicted to comfort. We're addicted to 
our own opinions. We're addicted to consumer goods, uh, which seems to be a very strong American fault. And all that stuff is a big distraction from the it, life that we is. should be living. It is. And we're not going to do away with it because we're living in the middle of it and technology and that yeah. is we're using here is necessary. Yeah. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to distance ourselves from it and to, you know, to in that sense to to start afresh every day. And there's no there's no there's no time that there's no day that's not worth starting again if you have to. No time like the present. Exactly. All yes. right. Good advice there from Colin Donovan here on EWTN's Open Line Friday. A couple of lines are open for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Our producer here, Michael McCall, is uh, ready to uh, facilitate, turn exactly the right knob up to get your call on the air. Matt Kabinsky standing by uh, waiting for your phone call. Ace McKay is handling uh, social media today. So if you want to uh, ask a question via YouTube or Facebook Live, hey, we're streaming to you right now. <laughs> uh, all you have to do is put your question in the comments box. Ace will see it. He'll shoot it to us here in the studio. Hopefully we can get to it on today's program. Interesting question here from Robin via YouTube. Uh, I know that St. Peter was a simple fisherman, and yet... A few weeks ago, I was so impressed with one of the readings that was from an epistle of Peter. He seemed so intellectual and eloquent. How did he transform himself into such a deep, competent, and articulate philosophical writer? Well, I, I think it's the case of anybody who encounters the Lord and then walks with him that they're both their understanding of the faith and with the faith is an understanding of human nature and common sense and many other things. Mm -hmm. And those are the basis of being able to articulate the very same things themselves. Some people aren't gifted in writing or speaking or that, but they can do it in other simple ways. Apparently, Peter must have had some natural gifts as well that the Lord built upon, which is how God tends to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to say, well, God didn't, you know, Mother used to do this all the time. You know, St. Peter and the, and the apostles, they couldn't even catch fish without his help. And there's a lot of truth to <laughs> sure. that. Sure. They were apparently in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. And then they got called to the right business that the Lord was had given them gifts for, natural gifts, uh, presumably, Fishers and then gave them, them the, yeah. the supernatural gifts as well. So they found their niche in life because it clearly wasn't fishing, as she always pointed yeah. out. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Robin, for your, uh, your question. Here's one, an email from Nicole. I often wonder, after I sin, if it truly is as simple as asking God for forgiveness and committing to repentance. I have repented from a multitude of sin, but I still struggle with some. I doubt my strength as a Christian, and where would I end up if I died tomorrow? I feel so damaged that my past sins are so severe that I can't possibly escape them. Is there scripture I can pray on to help me get past this spiritual roadblock? You know, a lot of that is, uh, of course, our, our fallen human nature as well, but also the devil, because he wants us to be discouraged and to not accept the forgiveness that comes through the church. Mm -hmm. That's why the priest, when you leave, he says, you know, he has that long, beautiful prayer. I, you know, sometimes for shortness, they sometimes have to, they got 50 people, they got to go quickly yeah, through yeah. it. But I love that prayer because it describes exactly what the mercy of God is doing. And then he says, you know, 
by by his authority I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Our faith should hold, hold on to that because emotions are not a trustworthy guide in this area. Uh, the words of the world are not a trustworthy guide either. Or the words of the devil may be whispered in our ear or, or, or a human being who wants us to you know, feel as bad as they do. Yeah. We can ignore those because we have been told, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we go forward mm -hmm. because we will fall again as we were just talking about. Yeah. And we're going to have to pick ourselves up again and again and again. And it's in those two movements of falling and rising uh, that we imitate Christ who in his perfect innocence was condemned to death and then rose again. And we're going to do that in, through multiple acts every single day of our life as we oppose the evil that is in us in the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and we're going to just have to keep struggling and moving forward against that. Hang in there, Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much uh, for your email. Here's a great question from Aaron. I'm not sure if I have heard this phrase. But Aaron says, what is the abomination of desolation? What is that? It's something evil uh, that inhabits, uh, came into the Jewish temple. Um, in, the, in the days of the uh, Maccabees, we see how they brought in the symbols of paganism into the temple. In the days of, of uh, Pompeii, uh -huh. uh, he also brought in the 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 crown or the the symbol of the imperial empire into the into the temple uh and so at some point in history and this is the you know the interplay of the again the devil and god at some point in history there will be an effort to bring uh, that into into the church um you know, we got a sort of a hint that that was going on in the world in a way because Paul VI said that some it is as if some through some crack the smoke of Satan mm. has come into the church. And I think with the wonderful popes that we've had uh, in recent decades, we've been given a bit of reprieve from that. But I think that the scandals that we've seen in the last decade or so mm -hmm. suggest that, again, there, there is evil in the church to be purged. And it's a constant battle for the church. But someday it will be a particularly severe one uh, in the future before the coming of Christ. Appreciate your question, Aaron. Appreciate all of your emails. And in a moment, we're going to get to the phones at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 833-288. 288-3986 open, uh, open Line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN Stay with us This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network If you have a question call 1-833-288-EWTN That's 1-833-288-3986 Outside North America call 1-205-271 or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Glad you're with us here for Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan answering your questions at 833-288-EWTN. We're going to get to the phones in just a moment here. 833-288-3986. Uh, traditionally, phones really fill up quickly on Fridays, so we would, have, have, we would hate to leave you at the altar. That would be a, a terrible thing, <laughs> so to speak. 
so to speak. All right. So we will get to the phones in just a moment. We'll begin with Ken in just a moment. But uh, first, let me tell you about a wonderful book now available from EWTN Publishing, Answering the Questions of Jesus by Father Andrew Apostoli. He reflects on each of the many questions that Jesus asked in the gospel. Things like, why were you looking for me? Or what do you seek? Or why are you afraid? Or have you no faith? Father Andrew's insight and wisdom will guide you to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he really is asking of you today. Cool book, Answering the Questions of Jesus by Father Andrew Apostoli. It's available for you at EWTNRC.com. Buy Catholic, shop EWTNRC.com. If you're ready now, let's go to the phones at 833-288-EWTN. As promised, Ken is going to kick us off. He's near San Antonio today, listening on the great Guadalupe Radio. Hey, Ken, happy Friday. What's on your mind today, sir? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking, I'm thinking since God exists in eternity, any soul who was lost or will be lost, or whatever, is the same lost soul, like, say, God's going to throw it away to hell, right? Mm. I'm saying the start of its human existence, God knew that at the start of its human existence. Now, but see, we're humans trying to understand God, but did God let people be born who are? But is that part of our teaching? You know, is that part of the choice? Mm -hmm. God certainly did know before he created the universe everything that would take place in it, and all those who uh, would ever live, mm-hmm. all personal beings, angels and human beings. And so in order to make images of himself, he had to be give the capacity to know and to love. And love is only possible with free will. Now, in creating any creature... A certain, you know, there even the animal has a certain freedom, doesn't it? You know, it's going to eat, you know, the wolf is going to eat this creature over here or this one over there. Human beings have the choice of marrying and producing children, whether in wedlock or outside of wedlock, or in sinful ways even, such as through technical means. And God has bound himself to his laws of nature, and so the soul is infused in the moment of, uh, of conception, and a human being is created with the free will that he wills for every human being. And with that comes the risk, and with him it was a case of knowledge. Yeah. And so when the church, uh, in its view of what predestination means, unlike some other theologies which, you know, sort of, uh, here's the list— And you're on it, good luck. You're getting in. If you're not on it, you're out of luck. Well, we put ourselves on that list to a certain extent. We can rise higher by cooperation and grace, or we can squeak in by at least minimal cooperation (laughs) with grace. Uh, Or we could choose to go, go the other way and not accept grace and cooperate with it at all. And God knows that. But the choice is between creating with freedom, including the reproductive capabilities of man Mm -hmm. and the children that will come from the operations of nature that God himself has created and imbued with its laws, or having sort of a video game in which every move is dictated by the, the person with the joystick. God is not a God with a joystick. Now that comes with the risk 
that we're not going to pay any attention to him and what he tells us and what he has revealed or what the church teaches and what the church is asking us to do and the means of salvation, the ordinary means, even the ordinary means of prayer and penance, such as the church implores its children to do during this time, even if they've forgotten about it, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, nine months of the year or ten months of the year to at least do it now during Lent and Easter. Uh, but that's uh, not a risk on God's part because he knew that decision. But the choice was between freedom or no freedom, between a video game, if you will, and real life where we do get to make choices. And we get to make good choices, uh-huh. but sadly we also get to make bad choices. Uh, that's the Catholic view of predestination. God knows who all of those are. And yet he loves and saves and wants to save all of them. And if at any moment any one of us who is in sin turns to him, he will receive us back. With complete certainty, we know that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of that, there will be some who have said no, 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 all the way to the end. And he knows who they will be. And I'm sure, uh, you know, the angels weep, as the saying goes. Yeah. Ken, thank you so much for your call. Hope that's helpful for you. And that opens up a line for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Open line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN. Lulu is watching us on YouTube this afternoon. Lulu says, can you actually tell a lot about a person based on their astrology sign? I know it's evil, but is it real? Well, for many centuries, perhaps a millennia or two, people actually thought that the stars governed the bodily humors, as they were called, and things like that, and what you could know about them. And even in the Middle Ages, there was some discussion of this. But I think with the growth of science, we know that that's not true. And from the theological perspective, uh, this looking, uh, believing that everybody is in a particular category based on what month they're born in, yeah, you know, um, limits God and it limits the individual. So the church says we shouldn't. In fact, forbids us to. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you can't pick up the newspaper. Of course, there are very few of those left anymore, but you know what I mean. Sure. But I think if you're you're into astrology books and you're going on websites looking to have your uh, future read... You've got, you're on the wrong path because God is the Lord of history, not the stars. He created them too. And so astrology is a giving to a creature or to others. And perhaps in some cases where in some version, some occult practices, giving it over to the devil and his companions, uh, what is God's? And that is foreknowledge of the future which only God knows, Mm -hmm. not even the angels unless he tells them, or the saints unless he tells them, or even the Blessed Mother unless he tells her. But foreknowledge of the future and the destiny of human beings, that is supremely wrong to give that to anyone other than God, much less astrology, tarot cards, Ouija boards, which does get people into demonic contract sure. that, contact, that's known. Mm-hmm. Palmistry, uh, I would even say Enneagrams, which was popular even in the church a couple decades ago. Mm-hmm. 
All of these are illicit means of categorizing people and pigeonholing them so that in a way you have control over them because we all want control of our destiny mm. and astrology and palmistry and all of these, uh, these occult means and semi-occult means or quasi-occult means uh, make us feel like we're in control of ourselves or at least knowing our future or knowing even about others. Oh, you're an Aquarius. I know everything I need to know <laughs> about you now. Well, that's very demeaning to human beings whom God made in his image. Yeah. You don't know hardly anything about that person, and probably they don't know much either because the Scripture even says that yeah. the, de the deep things of man that only the Holy Spirit can delve into. Exactly. Lulu, thanks so much for your question. And uh, Lulu, I might refer you to uh, our wonderful program, Women of Grace, at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, each and every weekday here on EWTN, because on Wednesdays, she brings on an expert, Sue Brinkman, yes. who, uh, who knows a lot about uh, anything New Age, and that would certainly include astrology, even though astrology has been around for a long time. So. It has been, yeah. yeah. You know, the uh, the Romans used to do augury, which means that the entrails of the owl would tell them. Wow! And based on that, Caesar's wife told him not to go to the for to go to the Curia, the forum yep. that day. Yeah, and uh, he went. So uh, apparently, the spirits were speaking through that, but not good spirits. All right, appreciate uh, that. It is Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN. A couple of lines are open for you at the moment, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Thomas is listening in Nashville on iHeartRadio. Hey there, Thomas. What's on your mind today? Hey, Colin. Hey, uh, Mr. Price. Happy Friday. Thank you. Um, and you. My, my question is, we're actually having a baby boy um, due here in a few weeks and in my wife is a converted Baptist, and some of the mm -hmm. names we've been um, talking about, um, she likes more um, some of the modern names. I personally lean towards more um, biblical or uh, traditional Catholic names, and I was mm -hmm. curious, as a, you know, we, she's Catholic now, we're a Catholic practicing family, do we need or should we name our, our son after like a strong Catholic uh, male, male name? Well, I mean, that, that certainly most Catholics will do that, but certainly not all. Um, you know, the name you can do as, uh, you know, in my own case, I have no idea what, a couple ideas of what Colin is related to. Uh, Colin, of course, could be from the French Nicolas, Colin, Nicholas. Uh, it could be from an Irish uh, or Gaelic, Gaelic or Scottish Gaelic or Irish uh, root word meaning uh, a young man or, or, or something like that. We have the Colleen, feminine. But this is why you're now doing a Colin talk show. That's right. Open line. Hey, that's call. Right. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm... I'm, my name has been used for other things. I'm, I'm sure it I, has. I'm sure it has, too. Yeah. Um, but in any case, that's not my baptismal name, because I was baptized when uh, my mother married a Catholic, and I was seven years old. Mm. And so my baptismal name is Michael, from the parish uh, in which I was baptized. And so that's often what people do. They can give a family name. It may not be a Christian name per se, but the baptismal name, and then later in life the confirmation name could be either baptismal or, or the con uh, a separate name. Make those the Christian names. Yeah. You know, so that I'm Colin Michael and Matthew for my birthday 
And so I had to have a very long name if I used it every day, but I don't. I use yeah. my given name and my, my last name. So, no, there's no obligation to do that, but I think for your baptism, have a good, uh, a good Catholic saint's name, um, and, uh, and that, should, that should be satisfactory. There you go. Joe, thanks so much for your call, or Thomas, rather. I remember meeting a nun one time in uh, when we lived in Minnesota, and her her birth name was Tuesday, and she <laughs> said, uh, "I got that changed as soon as I could." So <laughs> there you go. Lots more standing by with uh, open lines. Uh, Colin Donovan here on EWTN. There's a line open for you at eight three three two eight eight EWTN. Call now. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And if you want to be uh, precise about it, it would be Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN. Uh, when a line becomes available, you may want to snag it, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Hey, congratulations to several of our wonderful EWTN radio family members. KMFH in Oskaloosa, Iowa, celebrating seven years on the air. Mississippi Catholic Radio celebrating six years with EWTN and KDMI in Canton, Texas, celebrating four years of great Catholic radio. Congratulations from uh, all of us here at EWTN Radio. Back to the phones right now at 833-288-EWTN. Here is Joe. Joe is in uh, Virginia and listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? Hi, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, um Taking a little break here at work in Virginia. I'm from Texas, but I just kind of wanted to ask a, a follow-up question to that gentleman that asked about, well, if if mm-hmm. God is all knowing, how can we have free will? There's there's a uh, couple of words and their definitions are a little bit confusing. Um, I heard from an apologist once that we are predestined, but we're predestined to be in heaven with Jesus, right? Uh, but we're not predetermined. Um, I had heard the example like uh, how God knows everything, but we still have free will. Is like, for example, say you're uh, you're at work and uh, say the Super Bowl is going to be happening, right? But you're not going to be able to watch it, but you're recording it. But then somebody at work spoils it by telling you who wins. But the answer is, um, even though you know who you won, who won, the guys playing the football game still had the free will to determine the game. But my question is, and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of confusing, we're predestined, but we're not predetermined. What's the difference between those two, predestined and predetermined? I've never heard the expression predetermined Me used neither. in this context, no, no. so I don't know what the particular gentleman <laughs> was trying to say. Predestination is the, the doctrine uh, which the Catholic Church, the Orthodox, the Protestants hold, uh, the Catholic and the Orthodox similarly, the uh, some, not all of the Protestant Church similarly. So I don't know what uh, what he be, I, the, I get I get from the example that he's saying everybody's predestined. But if God predestined something, uh, then he would uh, be predetermining it. Uh, I think as well. So I'm not sure. exactly sure that that application of those expressions. But uh, I've never heard predetermined used in Catholic theology. Joe, thanks for your call. Let's go to Nancy now in Concord, New Hampshire. Beautiful town. Uh, listening on Hope FM. Hello, Nancy. What's on your mind today? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I was watching a Mennonite Amish show 
and I was kind of, I'm always struck by their simplicity, but I was really struck by um, how they they adhere to the Bible, and again, I pulled their call screen, I don't even know if they do the Old Testament and New Testament, I don't really know, maybe you do, but when they are so strict, and if somebody veers from their teaching, they ostracize, but wouldn't that be kind of limiting their free will, their gift of free will, if, if right. they don't allow yeah. people to, to kind of like listen to music or play the guitar, mm-hmm. or that might be a gift or a talent they have, and they don't let them mm-hmm. explore that. So isn't that kind of going against what you're teaching? And again, I don't know if they're teaching from a different Bible. Maybe they don't know Jesus or God yeah. in the way we do well, thank thank thee for the call. Yeah, I'm I'm not that familiar. Uh, Dave Anders uh, might be able to give you more coming out of the Protestant world. Um, just briefly here, maybe as a starting point, it's uh, uh, Anabaptist in terms of its outlook. I would presume, uh, not reading anything contrary, that both both of the testaments. But this is the trouble with the Bible. It's not self-explaining. You know, so the minute Luther decided to throw off the shackles of uh, of the communion of the apostolic bishops, the so-called shackles, the so-called shackles, um, he put everybody on a path to private interpretation. And we have that today. And this is, of course, just one of the groups in terms of limiting freedom. I don't know. I think it's probably uh, a very strict understanding of, you know, in the Bible, it says too. Christ Himself says uh, that you know if your brother won't listen to you, has offended you, then and you can't settle with him, then take him to the church. If he won't listen to the church, then let him be as the, you know, as as the sinner and and uh, and that the tax collector. Not meaning that sinners and tax collectors are not not necessarily excommunicated, but in the Jewish world, at least in the Pharisee world, that would have been the understanding that these people are beyond saving. And so um, that's their application of scriptures like that. The church does have excommunication, for example. Uh, the Catholic Church has. Some churches call it disfellowship or, or other under names, but yep, yep. it's hard to avoid it in the Bible. It's It's basically the the tool of last resort, because the church's job is salvation. Christ is the judge, but sometimes even we in this world must make judgments. And so the church, as the those carrying the authority of Christ, the, the pastors of the church, the authority of the keys, sometimes do have to make judgments and say to the unrepentant, well, you can't associate with the church because you will pollute the church, essentially. So different bodies have applied that differently, uh, and apparently some in very, very strict ways. You can read about the Puritans and, and the strictness of the Puritan laws in New England uh, uh, when it was a bit of a theocracy. Um, they didn't last very long. Did didn't they? last very long because uh, I, I think uh, that those are self-defeating practices yeah. in, in the end. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure what the Mennonites are doing in that respect, but it seems like a very strong interpretation of some of the uh, scriptural passages regarding the treatment of those who won't adhere to the, the doctrine and faith of the church. Uh, and, of course, for them, church sure. is their their 
their group. Yeah. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for your call. Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN. Maureen is a first-time caller in Indiana, listening on the great Catholic Radio Indy. Hey, Maureen, what's on your mind today? Yes. Hello, gentlemen. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for taking my call. Sure. I have a question, sort of an afterthought uh, after your discussion of uh, astrology Mm -hmm. and so forth and so on. I wondered what the Church uh, thinks about their position on psychics. And I specifically uh, mentioned the psychics who are used for criminal investigations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the black and white on it is, sort of goes along with the astrology and the other kinds of uh, trying to see into the future and see hidden knowledge. That would be a case of hidden knowledge. Uh-huh. Um, certain things are certainly prohibited in by Scripture. The con- try attempts to contact the dead uh, in the sense of, you know, we have the example of the witch of Endor who who tried to bring up old poor Samuel so that Saul could answer, get his his questions answered, and Saul uh, Samuel was very contentedly resting in the bosom of Abraham and yeah. <laughs> didn't want to be disturbed. And God basically is telling us, we don't do that. You know, the church doesn't see intercessory prayer as that, but mm-hmm. s- uh, contacting the dead through a psychic or medium would be that. Um, there is in... With respect to the criminal investigation, things like that, there is has been some Catholic studies on this. Uh, there was a, a theologian, a Jesuit theologian in the '40s, uh, Herbert Thurston, I think was his name, who was a cataloger of mystical phenomena, primarily of the saints and what preternatural phenomena associated with the saints were. We know, you know, levitation, not eating food and drinking water, the living on the Eucharist for, you know, these kinds of things. But necessarily you're bumping up against the other world yeah. in doing that. Yeah. And so he also wrote on some of those things. Uh, and so it may be, and this is a maybe, and uh, Father Amort, the uh, Roman theologian yes. who passed away yes. a number of years ago, also said the same thing. It may be that there is in the spiritual nature of man uh, something of this capacity because obviously the spirit is in us bound, but beyond that is able to move freely as mm-hmm. the angels do. Mm-hmm. But the trouble is, how do you know the credible case? So it's forbidden for the Catholic to do these things because it's the discernment of whether this is some natural effect that some people have, which was a theological proposition which some sustain and others would say is bosh, uh, or whether it's purely a cult. So the theology of that is unclear, but the Catholic... Wisdom is not unclear, and that is not being able to discern the case mm-hmm. means staying away from it. Now, if a Padre Pio, tell, Pio tells you about something going on in Latin America or someplace or something that happened somewhere else, you know by the holiness of life and the reputation for that. But finding it out of the ambit of holiness, which the Church is very familiar with, 
you know, in somebody who has no particular credentials in that sense, yeah. that's risky, and therefore you should not do it. Maureen, we appreciate your call. It is Open Line Friday with Colin Donovan here on EWTN. This weekend, be sure to check out The Miracle Hunter. If you've never heard it, it's a wonderful program. Michael O'Neill brings it to you Saturdays at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, This weekend, it is All Things Shroud. Uh, He will be interviewing (laughs) Barry Schwartz, the official Mm -hmm. Shroud photographer, and also uh, Chuck Neff, who is the author of The Holy Winding Sheet, exploring the uh, Shroud of Turin. Wonderful program. Do check it out Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern. The Miracle Hunter, right here and only here on EWTN Radio. Let's go now to uh, Dr. Karen in Connecticut, and uh, who is uh, checking out with an email. Uh, Dr. Karen, what's on your mind today? Um, oh, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I was asked to wait on hold. You were asked to wait you, on hold. You are on live now. You're on right now. What's what's on your mind okay. today? Um, I was asking about um, facilitated programs for women to study um, the um, encyclicals and um, mm-hmm. apostolic letters about feminine genius. Um, yeah. I women of Grace has a study program. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Now that I'm not, I, it's I'm not, not sure, sure about, about that. that one. No, but you could check out womenofgrace.com and uh, find out uh, exactly what they do offer. Yeah, uh, there are certainly uh, books out there. Uh, Alice von Hildebrand, who just passed away here a month or so ago, wrote on it. The books of Edith Stein uh, on what uh, you know on on multiple subjects have crossovers. You know, she would be called, I think, an authentic Catholic feminist mm, in, in yeah, a way, yeah. uh, and what the, who who showed what the feminine genius is, as Alice von Hildebrand did. You know, so I would say books by those two would be expressive of that point of view. Uh, but uh, as terms of programs that would do study, you're, you know, if you're looking for somebody to maybe come in as a formator or. Um, Boy, if there isn't, there ought to be. Should be. And maybe Johnette knows. I'm not sure. Could I be. I really don't. Dr. Karen, thanks so much for your call. Here is Mary, a first-time caller in Illinois, listening on Covenant Radio. Hello, Mary. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thank you for taking my phone call. Um, I have non-Catholic friends who tell, try to tell me that um, the Blessed Virgin Mary had other children besides mm-hmm. Jesus, and that they can. they say that they can show it to me in the Bible, but um, they haven't told me what that is as of yet, but my belief is that she went to heaven, a virgin, and she never had any other children besides Jesus. So is there somewhere in the Bible that I can refer them to um, to tell them that they're wrong? Well, I think they're looking for an answer they're not going to find in the Bible. They're going to find an answer based on somebody's interpretation of the Bible. So I think it matters who's giving the interpretation and whether that interpretation is credible. Uh, The problem, if it is a problem, and I don't think it is, is that, of course, uh, James is called the brother of the Lord. Uh, The uh, Joses and I forget some of the other names are said to be uh, the 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 brothers and sisters of Jesus, um, and so there there was certainly an issue there to be settled when people were concerned and didn't have the church's, you know, tradition on that. But there isn't anything in the first several hundred years of the church that would suggest that Mary was anything other than ever virgin. 
Um, and so that, you know, that comes even theologically. Um, and the, the theology of it is, and I think I mentioned this even a couple of weeks ago in a similar question, but it applies here as well. All the Old Testament foreshadowings of the woman in Genesis 3.15 and of Christ, the man, in Genesis 3.15, the Messiah, the seed of the woman, uh, which the fathers called the new Eve and the new Adam, all of the, all of the foreshadowing of that would argue very much against it. So if Christ is uh, the word incarnate, then what were the tablets of the law? The words carved, the word carved in stone, but a very brief word, if you would be the ten, the ten things, uh, the ten elements of the Decalogue, mm. and yet the Ark of the Covenant was treated with the great, greatest respect, uh, both in its being carried around and also in its being placed in the uh, Holy of Holies in the temple, uh-huh. uh, and the you know the annual Day of Atonement being celebrated. Uh, in connection with it, the only time in which it was approached. So I'm not sure how you reconcile with the idea that Joseph approached Mary for an activity which is certainly human and marital and fine on that level, morally and otherwise. But, well, need I say the the obvious here? Right, right, right. You know, I think we understand that all of the foreshadowing of the holiness of of the of the Messiah who would come also has coloration for his mother, mm-hmm. who is herself foreshadowed in the old covenant. And I think all of that is only fulfilled in the fact that in the early church, nobody interpreted those as the bodily fruit of Mary. And only some of the fathers interpreted them as previous children of Joseph. So those were the solutions that came up very uh, later on. Uh-huh. The virginity of Mary goes back to the early councils, either stated in fact or implied. Uh, in in Mary being the Theotokos, the councils which declared and made certain that all in the church would respect that Christ is God and man and not something other, some, you know, God taking some form, you know, like an apparition, right. or God being over, simply overshadowing the man Jesus or some other variation. No, Mary was the God-bearer. Now, is the God-bearer then the ordinary children of Jesus and, Mar- Jesus and Mary and Joseph bearer? And I think that that answer has to be a flat no, because the dignity of Christ demands it, and all of Mary's dignities flows from the dignity of her son. And I think to honor her son, we honor her as the Ark of the Covenant and the very temple in which the presence of God came into the world. Mary, thanks so much for your call. Let's go to uh, Joanne now on Staten Island, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Hello, Joanne. What's on your mind today? Hi there. Good afternoon. I have a question regarding the souls in purgatory. Now, I know we can pray for them, but I have been told and I have heard that they can also pray for us. Now, how do we know that? Or where? I have never heard this before. How do we mm-hmm. know for sure? 
It, it's pretty much the common theology of the church that their time of merit being over, they can't pray for themselves, but they can pray for us, and they're not distant from us, and they're, and they're not unconcerned with us. And, of course, any knowledge that they actually have of us is knowledge that comes through God who, uh, who reveals it to them. And that it would be certainly, uh, you know, certainly entirely within God's ability to sure. provide that. So this is pretty much the common theology of the church. I don't know that it's ever stated uh, in any doct- dogmatic form in a council or in some other respect. But that's, I think, to be taken for granted. Uh, you can pray. For, you can pray for them. Many people just pray for the poor dead in a generic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the habit in our family of after we say our grace, we say. Uh, three Hail Marys for the poor souls. And then we usually on the last one say, especially for, you know, the members of our family who say died this day or whose birthday would have oh, been yeah. this day or in some way attaching mm-hmm. it to our own family trees, if sure, you will, sure. to remember them. And so uh, we don't know which of those are in purgatory or which of them are in the other less desirable place. Yeah. Uh, but we leave that to God and we don't have to know. He knows who's there and he knows who, who can be helped by that by our prayer. So uh, I think some generic form of that. The church allows suffrage, which means the prayers which follow upon the death of an individual. We do that in the Mass by mm-hmm. having the Mass offered for them, the funeral Mass. Mm-hmm. We do that by doing prayers and offering them. And we can offer them to for the sake of a particular family member. We don't know to what degree that can be applied, and we don't know if they're there. Maybe they're in heaven, and yeah. we don't have to worry about that because, you know, He's a pretty good accountant, and uh, he'll find somebody that our prayers can benefit within the communion of the saints. So uh, we can certainly pray for them. We can ask their prayers, um, not even knowing that they're there, that as our own uh, devotion to those we believe to be there, as our own private judgment. Uh, But, um, you know, in the end, we, we leave it to God as to how those graces are distributed, as we must leave to him for the our own prayers. Yes, indeed. We don't have any more control over that than nope. we have over how our prayers for others go. All right. Joanne, appreciate your call. Here's uh, Phil now. Phil is in Pittsburgh listening on his uh, Amazon uh, Alexa device. Phil, what's on your mind today, sir? Hi, Colin. And um, I just wanted to um, you know, say hi to you both and thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask a couple brief questions about today's gospel. Um, and I think you kind of in part answered the uh, first question, mm-hmm. which is, it, it refers to um, Jesus's brothers went to uh, uh, it, uh, for the Jerusalem for the um, Feast of Booths. Right. Um, and um, now, you know, like, uh, I was, th- I've always, I've always just take, assumed that as being that it meant the apostles, you know, like the, his, in other words, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, a, you know, like I, if I, that was, you know, was my uh, first question. Was that the apostles, or would that be the cousins of Jesus that that refers to? And the second question is, um, you know, it says that, you know, like the Jews are claiming that, well, did they accept Jesus as the Messiah? But, the, you know, like the Jews are saying, well, how can he be the Messiah? We know where he comes from. We won't know where the Messiah comes from. So um, is that just like a like some sort of legend that kind of grew among the Jews over the, you know, like the centuries that we wouldn't know mm-hmm. where the Messiah comes from, or is there a scriptural basis okay. for that? All right. 
Yeah, well, that that's a good one. I've never actually heard that specifically addressed. Um, you know, I think there were different schools in, among the Israelites. We we hear of some of them. In, we hear of the Pharisees. We hear of the Sadducees. We know from Qumran, we know of the Essenes uh, were also about, and they had a more uh, you, you might say apocalyptic uh, view of things, uh, the coming of the Son of Man and so on. I'm not exactly sure whether that's uh, uh, coming from biblical literature. I don't believe that it is uh, because the Gospels themselves gives us the, you know, the biblical basis. Uh, and that is that he will be from the tribe of David. This fellow comes from Nazareth. How can he be? Well, we know the answer to that question. Uh, so, just exactly what is meant there, I'm not sure. It may be in the particular writings of one of those schools, such as the Essenes or that. Um, I would say that in terms of the future, this thought just occurred to me, if that is still an operative principle, then it would explain why at the end of time the Jews will at first before they re- find they are deceived, accept another in his name. We had that scripture recently, too. Someone will come, I came in my name, and you would uh, not in my own name, and you would not accept me. Another will come in his own name, and he you will accept is generally taken by the fathers to be of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be a human being. And you may or may not know where he comes from, but Christ, when he comes, will come in the heavens at the end. And this is how many people, Christian and non-Christian, will be deceived at his coming because they will see a man with a history and so on Uh and take him to be the, the coming of the Christ when Christ will only come in glory with his angels at the end of history. So there may be some tie in there, but as I say, I'm not exactly sure where in scripture they were, were alluding to in that passage. Phil, thank you so much uh, for your call. One quick one here from Judy watching on YouTube. I heard from Father Pacwa that the Jewish language doesn't have any name for aunt, uncle, or cousins. Everybody's called brother or sister. Is that correct? I believe in the Aramaic that's true, and although the Gospels are written in Greek, some choices had to be made, and uh, I don't know how that, but we do it too. Dear Brother Tom. Sure, sure. Brother Colin. There we go. Thank you for doing a great job again today. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. Well, we appreciate all of our listeners. Please uh, have a wonderful weekend and uh, stay strong throughout the rest of Lent. If you fell off the horse, get back on the horse. See you Monday. Have a great weekend and God bless.